You guys know that here in California, they started using AI to take your order at Carl's Jr. Huh? Yeah, that I went. Happened, to, I uh, maybe like a few weeks ago. I went to a Carl's Jr. and the the machine was like, "Hello, I am Carl's Jr.'s AI system. Uh, how can I take your order or something like that?" I can't fully remember. It was like in the afternoon. And I just found that to be interesting. I've never heard of that before. Well, like, it's because it's because the minimum wage for I think fast food workers went up to twenty dollars an hour this year. That's in April, in April it goes effective in April. Yes. Oh, oh so they're gosh. getting a head start. Getting a head start. Right. They're trying ahead of time. What is Carl? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like um, Lowe's when I was working at Lowe's a long time ago. They had these little robots that would like go up and down the aisles that was supposed to like scan items and how many was in each one. The problem was you couldn't, uh, they couldn't see how many items were behind it. So they could only <laughs> tell if something was missing. So I'm sure we'll all be replaced eventually, but you know, it won't time. be replaced. It, it's going to be a long games time. Podcast. It I mean, will not be replaced. I mean, I bet you check this out. Everyone's going to then upload like all of our podcasts to like um, some kind of like AI database. And then it's just going to, spit out an episode and it's just going to be like uh the episode's going to be named like tau hate uh featuring um dakota janice right something <laughs> oh, like that geez. you know like it'll just get generic people's names <laughs> so like uh yeah you know i, I could see that in the future maybe not just yet it's not yeah. perfect because like one of the weird quirks that the machine had was you know i asked for a number two just a sandwich with extra onions and no lettuce and I'm sitting there for like a solid 30 seconds just waiting for it to confirm something. And I was thinking, did I not say it right? So then I say it again. And then it adds both. So, <laughs> um, it was just, a, it's a little quirk and I'm sure it's going to get fixed out. Um, you know, first world problems. First world problems. How about you guys? <laughs> Eric, Jeremy from Plaza Spam. Do you guys have anything weird happening in Baltimore? Like the Ravens losing? I mean, what? Well, um, uh, That's a sore subject, man. Sorry, Damn. Man. Sorry. Damn. Start. You're in a different book now. hands over this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my coworker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Jeremy can attest. I am not upset. I am depressed. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, the Baltimores are just the Dallas Cowboys of the East Coast. They, they, just, so far, they, just, <laughs> they just shit That's the bed. such an attack. Wow. That, sorry. That is, that is someone that doesn't know football would say. Oh, okay. oh. Right. we're never getting invited to KTO3. <laughs> yeah, never, never. Don't expect hey. to stay with Ryan. How about hey, that? Hey, 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 I'm a Raiders fan, okay? I suck all the time, all right? I was rooting for really the Chiefs. Coach. You guys are I, fine. I was rooting for the Chiefs to die. I still am. And guess what? They're in the Super Bowl now. <laughs> in the Super so Bowl. fuck me. I think like 90% of the country wants them to lose. Yeah, fuck the Ravens because they didn't win. Let's go 49ers. Beat the fucking Chiefs. <laughs> yes. If we can't do it, you need to. It's not It's not even beat the Chiefs. It's beat Taylor Swift. That's, that's <laughs> right. That's, that's I don't like general. her as a person. But here's, here's the like, thing. If she loses, if Kelsey loses the Super Bowl, she might make like some kind of badass song. You know, like... 
I was so good. I rooted so hard and I lost. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely gonna be a song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's got material ready to go. You just know. Yeah. It. Ready Absolutely. to go. Absolutely. It's exciting. Now, what we needed was the Detroit Lions versus yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. Because then you get Eminem versus Taylor Swift for oh, a weird oh, halftime yeah. performance. And That'd be a weird halftime performance. Eminem would have mopped her up. Oh my next god. Next year. Next year. It's a thing. Chiefs are going back. Sorry, Ravens. Uh, <laughs> Detroit Lions are going to be there. We're going to see the epic halftime show, Taylor Swift versus Eminem, and um, you know it's going to be exciting. I mean, I hope exciting. it's like I didn't love the Rihanna halftime show last year. It was just all right. Um, I don't know. That's just that's just my feeling. So I hope most that halftime this one's shows are not super great. No, Though, they uh, they've been they've been kind of losing some luster. <laughs> the uh, the one with uh, Dr. Dre and all all the um, the rappers that year with the Rams was pretty good. That one was yeah, pretty good. Yeah, like, like fucking 50 Cent Mid-jog popping out the roof. I was like, what the fuck? Let's go. Yeah, 50 Cent's like hanging from the rafters of the, of the truck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> popping blood vessels. Fucking Seriously. <laughs> that was a good one. Because yeah, he had all good. the Gen Zs had no idea who any of those people were. <laughs> 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 Who's this dude that popped out the ceiling? What? Is this normal? <laughs> that was good. It was good. It was good. Um, yeah, uh, Super Bowl's right around the corner. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, LVO just finished. Yes, we're talking a little bit about LVO again. We had on this on this episode we have Eric, who's been on the podcast before, and we have Jeremy, uh, both people from Plasma Spam, Ooh. and uh, they both did really well. And they also have something else very uniquely in common outside of their team. No, it's not their names. Uh, it's the fact that they took Compendium to LVO and they both went positive. Now, Giacomo, we both have to eat a little bit of shit. Absolutely. Um, with 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 uh, with Eric saying that Greenskins were just for fun because obviously Eric <laughs> obviously heard they that and was like, "Yo, fuck squad games." <laughs> I was just on their podcast. Look at them talking shit. Um, I need to go out be positive. Uh, and crush everyone, and he did. And then Jeremy Giacomo, this is just you. I voted. I I said Jeremy. I didn't say Jeremy was going to get top eight, so I'll take a little bit of shit. But uh, you know, that's true. what do you got to say for yourself, uh, Giacomo? That I talked mad shit about Tyranids, and I was here to shut the haters up. <laughs> damn, yes. damn. I'm going to still talk shit, but you know, you can still top eight though. So that's fine. <laughs> Just put a little asterisk in anytime you do with, uh, not Jeremy, not Jeremy. Yeah. though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Except yeah. Jeremy. Except Jeremy. <laughs> um, but yeah, you got top eight, Eric, you placed, uh, 36th, which is amazing for. Oh, Greenskins. that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are the same exact average as all of the Novitiates players combined, because that's what they all combined at was thirty six. Uh, dang, points. that's good. Yeah, so that's pretty. That's pretty exciting, fellas. What made you guys want to choose Compendium to come to uh, LVO with? Like, like, what was your your reason? Go ahead, Jeremy. Well, so for me, it wasn't so much that I decided on Compendium for LVO. It was more so I just love the Tyranid team itself, and I've been running them for the past eight months. So for me, I've been practicing. I've been getting the reps in, and I took them to Nova, did okay. 
but my own personal goal was just to see where I could place ITC rankings with ex almost exclusively Tyranids as my team. And I had a really good showing at KTO2 with Intercession, and that really threw my numbers off. But for the most part, I went into it thinking, all right, we're going to do a year of Tyranids. We're going to see what happens. We're going to see how I can stack up using this compendium team that everyone says is just jank. And I will say, after listening to your tier list podcast for LVO and hearing all the, the shit that was talked about, oh, no, they're just for fun. He can have a good time, but he's not doing much. It's just one guy. Mm-hmm. That yeah, lit a fire me, under me, and I Kimmy said, Jelly I'm still right bringing them. Yeah, Kimmy <laughs> Jelly, the new villain of Kill Team. That's, that's what's happening here. Um, he's the heel, but mm -hmm. Ooh, I like nah, that lit a fire under me, and I said, you know what? All right, I was here to have fun at first. Now we're time to take names. I like that. I like that. And names now, he took. Kimmy Jelly still placed fourth, but you were real close right behind him. Your, your, your little Tyranid claws were coming for his little beast back because um, he took Felgor. <clears throat> your flesh hooks, if you will. Yeah, your flesh hooks. Your flesh hooks were coming for those those little goats. Um, Eric, you took greenskins with like 123 wounds. Uh, you played against Austin round one and almost beat him. I think he placed sixth. Um, you lost by one point, and then you went through the rest of the tournament and you just you know took names. Now. Um, Best Coast Pairings loves to put their numbers in, in red and green. So I I can see like oh. uh, you won some of them Ooh. and you lost some of them. I can't see I can't see which which. I can kind of guess via your numbers, but it looks like you won your last round. Yes. Um, so like uh, how did your run with Greenskins go and how surprising was uh, were your opponents and how how did they uh, how did they react to getting beat by Compendium? So, so uh, first of all, all good questions. I'll, I'll start like how Jeremy did and I'll work my way down. Um, it was actually, I, start, um, I started playing Greenskins a little bit over a year ago at uh, right before Nova 2022 for just for fun because that's when like the Harlequins were really a big thing and so were Commandos at the time. And... Orion and I were just sitting down talking about, you know, I want to play for fun, but I want to catch people off guard. And he said, well, you like commandos. He said, what about Greenskins?" So we looked at them and we thought they had a really un unique flavor to the old roster build that you could build back in the old kill team, which was something that I drastically miss in this new kill team version. So, um, I took them to Nova for the uh, the team event, did okay, and then I took them to New York Open 1 in 2022. Did you take them to Nova for the, the team event? Because I thought I played your Hearthkin. That was this year, the year before I took uh, Greenskins. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And so um, I took them also to New York Open 1, where actually I also placed top eight in in that event with them. But going into LVO, uh, the reason why I took them is actually because of Jeremy and because of my teammates. I was really stuck on selecting a team. And uh, Kill Team has been kind of, I love it, but at the same time, I feel like it's getting a little dry for me. And I think that's just because of other things going on too. So all of them 
you know, talked to me at different moments and said, look, you love greenskins. This is what you like to play, play that. And you're going to have fun. And I was like, okay. So going into LVO and seeing Austin as my first opponent, immediately my confidence was already shot. I was like, okay. But then when I saw that he was playing Kasserkin, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I kill his models in two hits every time a greenskin rolls up into combat. So did pretty good. And after that first match, I felt really confident only losing. It was by two or one points that I lost to him. By one. And it was because I didn't get my Robin ransack off, which was crazy. And I didn't take headhunter. And if I would have taken headhunter, I would have won by one point. Mm-hmm. So, so crazy. But going into the next couple of rounds, all my opponents were absolutely wonderful. And what was neat is if I'd lose or if I'd win, all of my opponents were like, wow, man, green skins are crazy. I didn't know they could do this. And uh, the real hidden gem behind the green skins are the four Gretchen that you take because they can really mop up, hold people in combat, especially if teams don't have a lot of APL boosters that's, the gunners or whatever have to fall back and then you can send in your boys afterwards. So it was, it was really fun and something else that I can speak for Jeremy and myself throughout the event is all of our opponents kept coming up to us after each game, asking how we were doing, checking on us throughout the event. And some people that weren't even our opponents noticed our names and how we were slowly climbing up the ladder throughout the event And they asked us, why are you guys taking Compendium? Like, how are you guys doing well, even though you're taking teams that have a (laughs) statistical disadvantage compared to the bespoke teams? And I thought that is something that really made the event really special. Not only my opponents, but other people coming up to both of us and asking us what we think, which was probably one of, not the best, but one of the best things about the event, in my opinion. Amazing. Yeah, the <clears throat> we were very much watching all of your game states as well, and uh, because of that, uh, Jeremy was what uh, you were four and zero on day two, and we yeah. were like, "All right, yes. this man has to be on stream." There's a high <laughs> fleet player who's four and zero, and so we got you on stream, which I've been editing all the. Um, Editing it, editing everything to to get it up on YouTube. So, um, Jeremy, how was it going four and zero, and then getting up to stream like up until that point? You know, surprised people. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I surprised everyone else. Surprised myself. Um, I love having that underdog mentality where I'm never in these events to try and take first or second place. I mean, yeah, we all want to win, but realistically. I set a goal for myself of usually just going positive or maybe going six and three or something like that. Um, so I never planned to do that well and just come out of the gate swinging four and zero. Um, had a couple tough matches, game three, game four, definitely were a little harder to pull out the wins. Um, I played Austin game four, so got Eric's revenge for him. But great game, great opponent. Mm-hmm. Just had to. I took that personally. I said, uh, uh-uh. uh. No, no two plasma spammers are losing to this guy. We're going to we're gonna pull it out and get that W. So got that. But no, playing on stream was 
a really cool experience. Hadn't done it before because usually I'm kind of middle of the pack, something like that. And no one wants to see a generic intercessor or whatever player that's two and two or three and three on stream, but going four and oh, and then when you told me you came up, you said, Hey, you're playing John on stream next. And I thought that's the one matchup I felt confident into with star striders <laughs> because everyone else that was four and oh, at that point, Felgor, vet guard, everything else just would have dumpstered me. But I thought Star Striders, they've got seven or eight wounds, just like Eric said with Commandos. You kill them in two hits, easy. I thought, all right, I'll just try and stay concealed. I'll take the kills when he gives them to me, and we'll just try and keep it close. So for being on stream and never having been on stream before, my initial goal was just to not lose by too much. Mm-hmm. Um, going against Kenny Rollercrit, I mean, just a great player and great game we had. But no, it was really cool being able to see all the setup, see everything from that top-down view. Um, we had a great game. It was well-played. I think John won by two, and it did come down to just one or two die rolls there at the end. Um, but it was phenomenal experience. And if that was my first loss, I was happy to take that as my first loss. Amazing. Yeah, I think you, you got 18 points. You got 20. And then um, I think you went 7-2 and two overall with High Fleet. Yes. Uh, did you, did you play a lot of, I, I know that you played, um, intercession, your last two games, which I believe high fleet is, is pretty decent into, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. When I saw those two matchups, I thought, all right, six and two right now, we're five and two. We can go seven and two. So what's funny is, uh, Koa, I think got seventh and you beat him game one. Yes. 23 to something. Um, yes, that was a that was a good game. Shout out to him. Uh, he was a great opponent. I think he told me this was his first big event, and I think the nerves definitely got to him. Um, I think I scored three points on primary turn one and four or five every turn after that. Hmm. So you're still capped at four, but I yeah. tried to make sure that there was no way he could come back and win the game. Um, but yeah, I think I just had him on the back foot from the first turning point with the stalk and charge move where he just didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. So he was a great player, but I think the nerves definitely got to him and I'm glad to see he did very well. Um, and yeah, it was a difference of, I think one point total scored, put him above me, but Hey, I mean, that's the game. It comes down to single points and millimeters of measurement. So that one little bit kicks you over the top and, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great to see him get up there because he did very well just had to shake those nerves off yeah and also you were one point ahead of chris Baki, who placed ninth so it was it was a oh, very very wow. uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a very very close uh seventh eighth ninth it looks like you played felgor oh no 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 what did dylan play dylan used to play felgor what did what did he play who was your second uh, hand of the archon hand of the archon mm. Mm. So you play Dylan next. He's a cool dude. Then we have Tyler Johnson from Cats um, trying to show your East Coast supremacy, huh? How'd that one go? Oh, that was a nail-biter. It came down to one point at the end that I pulled off. And Novitiates, I mean, I knew they had all the dice re-rolls they needed in shooting. So I took five Acid Maws to give my team some shooting, but just to keep him honest mainly. I knew I wasn't going to really do any killing shots with them, maybe some chip damage if I could. But I just prioritized killing his penitent, killing his leader when I could. Um, He did slip up at one point, and I think he used one or two CP more than he needed to to martyrdom and gain some faith points at one death. 
Um, when had he saved them, he definitely would have been able to shoot me from just off the board, turning point three or four with their strap ploy shooting a fight. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't able to capitalize it on it fully, but no, that was a very tight game. It was very well played. Um, his flamers and those sisters, they annihilate anybody once they get in shooting range with you, especially with the gene stealer that has a five up save. I mean, yeah. anything you really shoot at them with four or five dice, if you get hits, I'm just dead. Absolutely. Um, but very tight game and great opponent. Um, and yeah, I think that was my first game that it really came down to just a one or two point difference. Mm-hmm. So after that, I went home or went back to the hotel and I thought, okay, got to get settled, got to get serious. Things are getting tight. <laughs> I know Tyler, he plays 16th as well. So that's a seventh place player, 16th place player. I'm not sure where Dylan uh, placed, but then you played against Austin who placed sixth. Uh, and you beat him as well with Kashukin. Now, in my opinion, I walked over and I looked a couple times at your guys' table, and I think, in my opinion, High Fleet have a really good matchup into Kashukin, uh, mm-hmm. specifically because uh, you can't get shot because you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're gene stealers, and um, on top of that, uh, you have stock, so you can get a free movement and then a move and a charge at the beginning of a turn if you win, like, um, if you win... Um, uh, what's it called? Initiative. Initiative. Right? Because there's a, there's a couple times where he was, I was, he was asking, he was like, he's out of range of your charge right here. Right. And I was, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I for now. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then, <laughs> and then I was like, I think that's what you said for now. Uh, and, uh, and I was like, I thought in my head, I was like, stalk. And then I just like walked away. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, but am I correct in my assumption? Cause uh, High Fleet, they struggle into uh, teams that have more operatives than they do, similar to like Novitiates, Vetguard, uh, probably Orcs. Um, <clears throat> what is your thought process on the Caster Kings? Do the High Fleet have the edge? So I will say, in so we played Into the Dark, and I think I definitely had the edge with that matchup because I think all game he only took three shots, maybe four shots at me total. Wow. Yeah, I was able to charge a guy, and then, yeah, he could kill me once I was dead and in the open, but I already planned on that happening. So I was kind of really okay with trading one for one. So I really did a great job of either tying him up in melee or flipping to conceal after I charged to then not give him any shots. And I will say my squad games dice, which I am very happy with, rolled very hot. And I made so many five-up saves for my inbound to not take damage in shooting and overwatch that it really did swing the battle in my favor by a lot more than it should have. Um, I think statistically I made about half to two thirds of my saves on a five up save, which That's not really happen. so the dice were definitely on my favor for that one. But yeah, I think I only gave him three or four shots. And one of them was the demo mine that he planted. I said, you know what? We're going to have to clear that out just to try and get access to that room. Otherwise he was only, I was never going to hold half the board. Right. So I sacrificed the gene stealer for it. It went off. I think it did kill me, but then he, I think failed to get an overwatch with someone else. And I was able to just come in and tie up anyone else he had in that room. So in into the dark against Kazakins, because I only need two hits, well, three, if they parry to kill him outright. And I have that stalk in my back pocket. As long as you don't give them too many shots, they will be on the back foot the whole time. I feel 
and I noticed towards the end he kept retreating with his guys just to try and keep his leader alive and try and hold two points on primary. So after turn two, turn three, I had the mid-board and then some. It was just a matter of I could kill him before he could get shots off to stop me. Amazing. Yeah, so uh, the next player you played was John Reese. Now, for everyone listening, uh, check out our YouTube. Hopefully it's uploaded by now. If it's not, apologize. Uh, apparently, this was one of the best games recorded from multiple people said, like very mm-hmm. tactical. Um, gee, I think you said so as well. It was my favorite um, of the day. Yeah, and there definitely wasn't um, Felgor involved. We had a lot of Felgor on stream on purpose. Um, uh, that's from one of your other your other teammates who got third. You guys just came out and crushed the competition this year, but that's besides the point. If you guys want to see more of John Reese's and Jeremy's match, uh, it's very tactical. It's very good. I highly suggest watching it. Um, we'll skip over it so we don't we don't ruin the surprise for everyone. You played Mike Cortez next. Um, which I think was your other, your only other loss. Mike got fifth. Uh, yes. I think John Reese, what, what did John get? Let me check. Was it 17th? 17th. Yeah. So you just kept playing all these, these beasts. beasts. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, how did that game go? So against, well, first off, Mike Cortez, great player, great guy, had a lot of fun, lost by a lot, but it was still a great game to play. And I'm glad I got to play him again. Um, This is now the second time I've played him and he's won both times with commandos against me. Um, But against commandos specifically, it's just such a hard matchup for Tyrannus to take on because they have just a scratch. They have 10 wounds, which means I always have to spend a CP for my feed strategic ploy to make uh-huh. my first crit into six damage. Mm. So they're usually rolling a couple of hits. They can parry me out if they need to. They can kill me usually with a crit and a hit. So it's a very much balanced melee fight. But when they have that extra operative and then when they have the justice scratch to say, you know what, I'm not going to let you kill me. I'm going to back up. Now you're in the open and you just lost a gene stealer in exchange for a no kill. It's very rough. I did take the Gaunts with five Gene Stealers into that matchup, and that's the only game I took the Gaunts into, mm-hmm. knowing that I wanted to GA2 and put some Asimovs into some Commandos and hopefully double tap and kill them before they got to activate. Unfortunately, I think when I took four or five Asimov shots, I rolled significantly more ones than I should have. And I think at most I brought one Commando down to two or three wounds at one point with a double tap. And it just did not work out in my favor. So I was not able to capitalize on eliminating his operatives before they got to go. And he did win by a substantial amount, but it's nothing I haven't seen with commanders in the past. It's just such a hard matchup for me. So it was fun. It was a good time. Um, The map itself was a little wonky in that there was very much two lanes that you had to commit to. And it did give commanders a slight edge with deployment. But I love that because that's what's, part of the attacker defender role because if the maps are just symmetrical all you do is take attacker but when it's not symmetrical and it makes you think about which side do you want to try and defend and take it does have a lot more strategy to play into it which i'm definitely a fan of fantastic now what's interesting is um not only did austin run the plasma spam gauntlet by playing uh eric um Jeremy and Nick Craven, but uh, so did Mike Cortez. Um, Eric, you played Mike. How did that go? 
Oh, well. Who's the better uh, greenskins? Commandos or, or greenskins? Yeah, that's the match of ages. <laughs> greenskins versus commandos. Yeah, I know. Um, Wogfest. Honestly, I think it was just about the same score as Jeremy. I think I scored one point less than Jeremy in the matchup. It was loot on Into the Dark and greenskins, while they do have um, 13 models compared to 11 on the commandos, it's all two actions except for the boss that you can give a boss pull for a three APL. There's no comms ability. So going into commandos against greenskins a couple times, it is a good counter to commandos in the melee aspect, but controlling the board and being able to out APL someone is where they get the advantage for sure. Um, the one thing in our match that my Gretchen did was he tied up a flame, the, the burn a boy in combat for a whole round because I had combat support and he rolled really bad and I rolled really well. So that was kind of funny hearing Mike kind of, he laughed like it, it was a funny moment, but I'd keep laughing and he go, the stupid Gretchen's just doing all your work. I was like, <laughs> That's what they're there for. And I, I would tell all of my opponents, the Gretchen are going to be a pain in the butt if you allow them to be. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Whatever. And every game I played, the players either said in a joke or in an annoying way, gosh, these Gretchen just don't die. Like what's going on. And, um, although something in Mike's game with me and Jeremy, that was very unique was he didn't take seek and destroy. He took, I think it was infiltrate Mm -hmm. Yes, on, um, into the dark. And so he, he picked, positional secondaries over killing. And that is something I thought was really mind blowing in my opinion, because I thought for sure, you know, seek and destroy. It's almost a guarantee. You're going to score most of those secondaries from how players are playing right now. Very aggressive. Mm -hmm. And for him to do that, when he revealed his tack ops at certain moments, my jaw dropped because it was just like, that's how you can tell the difference in skill level of players too. And we talked about it after the game. And then Jeremy asked me specifically, Oh, like what did he take? And Mike was right there and being a good sport. Like I didn't want to give an advantage to Jeremy, but I did also say, I think I should keep my mouth shut and you just be surprised. And uh, Jeremy and I talked about that afterwards too. And Jeremy said, dude, like I had no idea that was going to happen. So <laughs> yeah, it was definitely the, the right call there, Eric, because I definitely was not expecting it. And to Mike's credit, I believe he scored subversive control, seize defenses and yes. gather surveillance with the same boy on his team. His one boy <laughs> did all three, both turns, turn three and four. And this boy had like one or two wounds left. And I thought that is the most ingenious use of one operative to score three mm-hmm. tack ops points, turn three and four. It was incredible. That's rare. You don't see someone taking infiltration at that kind of level. So I like that. It's unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to move on to the next two 
Um, <clears throat> only two more game recaps, and then we'll move on to a little bit more compendium stuff outside okay. of uh, uh, LVO. So, yeah. Eric, you ended up fighting Mike Cortez's father, Arturo Cortez. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> now, I, I, I'm sorry to highlight all of your losses here. You know, um, <laughs> you know I, I have to, I have to like, you know, make us just for fun stuff, uh, yeah. not eat as much crow. But there's a reason why I'm picking Arturo. Sure. Now, Ar- Arturo, he won the triple threat, which is probably one of the hardest uh, uh, things outside of first to actually win. You have to not only place well in the tournament, but you have to have a really well-painted team and you have to have great sportsmanship, right? Oh. So he had he had to do all three um, and just and, and nail all three. And every single game we walked by, uh, it seemed as if every opponent, <clears throat> every opponent that he was playing against was having a blast, mm-hmm. whether they won or lost, right? And he did really well. He had a, so, some really great games. Now, Eric... Uh, how was your game against this, uh, against intercession and, um, you know, explain a little bit more about that game. So I, I'd like to give a shout out to Arturo because I've played him now three or four times and every game we've ever played has been awesome. It doesn't matter if he's getting his butt whooped or if he barely wins, he is such a gentleman when you roll well, he gives you a high five. When he rolls well, you know, he doesn't gloat. He just goes, yeah. And like, that's it. And you feel happy for him, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, he is such a, uh, he has evolved as a player in his skill level for sure. Since the last time I played him and I remember seeing his name match up with me on the first game of day three. And I thought, Okay, I, I honestly thought I was going to win, but I said I didn't care because I was playing a true friend that I've loved competing and playing with. So, um, going into that match, Greenskins do have a problem with intercession a little bit compared to Commandos because of not giving the extra APL comms out and not being able to sneaky get and have your shooters in tactical locations from the start of the game. So um, it was, I think it was capture was the first game of day three. I think. No, cause I played art on capture for game two for that day. Well, the, was it secure? Secure. Was it secure. secure. It was yeah. secure. Yeah. Okay. So with secure, I was like, okay, he's going to out APL me most of the time on points unless if I bring a lot of models in. And uh, I unfortunately gave him a couple of points at the end of the game that cost me the game with uh, Eliminate Guard and also he took Executioner on his Sniper, which was painted beautifully. He, He had a Phobos model as the Mm, grenade gunner and he was just absolutely beautiful and i mean while my models died i just kept looking at that model and all like wow that's a beautifully painted model and um i i was i kept it close for so long but i made a couple of mistakes 
and there was a there was a point in the game where we were still being super friendly, but we could tell like we knew it was going to come down to the last two activations of the game because of my misplays and my Rocket Boy couldn't shoot his Robin Ransack target. So instead, I targeted the marine next to him that was within two inches of the splash range and i tried to get off a splash i failed the roll and then i didn't do any damage to his guy whatsoever so i spent the cp to daka daka to shoot again with the rocket boy to try and roll and get a lot of crits in and i was able to get a couple of crits but it was one or two crits off from being able to kill him from the splash and there were no other models in the area so as soon as that was over, I shook his hand and we had a wonderful game. There were a couple of measurement issues on my part where I thought I had the charge, but then we, as you should, measured it out correctly. And I was just off by like half of an inch on two charges that would have stopped that. So overall, it was a great game. I, I lo- If I'm going to lose to anybody, I want to lose to him because of how well of a sportsman he is and how much he just wants to have a good time. So, um, but I did feel after that game and while I was happy for him, I was disappointed in myself that I allowed him to stay in the game closer than what it should have been. And that, that was a tough pill to swallow just for me as you know, cause as you're a player, you want to do the very best that you can. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, just like the Ravens, it was a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jeremy, uh, I know that you also played <clears throat> Arturo uh, on Game 8, but I wanted to highlight uh, your other intercession game, which was against Jason Fay from Just Another Kill Team Podcast, which you did a interview with them recently. I didn't listen to it because yes. I'm not trying to... Right, right. <clears throat> I don't want to... Um, uh, spoil myself or any kind of questions that might have already been asked. So oh. I'm keeping myself ignorant to ask the same ones, possibly. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Um, how did your game go against... He He was the highest placing intercession player. How did that, uh, how did that game go for you? Yeah, so that game, game eight and nine on day three where I faced intercession, I was very happy that I got to finally break out the Warriors because... All tournament, I had the Warriors sitting there just waiting for some elites to roll up, and I finally got my chance. Last two games, I was very happy to break them out. Um, and against both of them, I felt confident because I think Jason brought two, he brought an intercessor sergeant and the gunner, and then I think four total assault models. I think Arturo had brought three and three or four intercessors and two assault. I can't quite remember, but. I was confident that a warrior can easily munch a regular intercessor. The assault intercessors, because they have five attacks in melee, are a little trickier. But I was able to just turn one, or I guess strategic ploy one, stalk a warrior up to about the midpoint, have easy charge distance to at least two objectives, and there was nothing his models could do to risk that or to counterplay that. So Jason played very aggressively and threw an Assault Intercessor up on one of my objectives early, that first activation with loot. So he stopped me from getting the first point on primary that turn, which was was rough, and I was a little 
taken aback by how aggressively he was putting himself into charge range. But I held off that last activation and charged my warrior in, changed his order with infiltrate, and proceeded to demolish the assault intercessor on the point. Thought, okay, this is fine. We're up one model on him, and he did get one point on primary. But at this point, I've got the other guys swarming up the board. And he did bring the Doom Bolter on his Intercessor Sergeant, and that Intercessor Sergeant killed single-handedly all three Warriors just in three turning points. Wow. It was very effective at what it did, and I gave him a lot of credit for it because that Sergeant messed my day up. And I think he took Champion of Humanity on his Sergeant, so he got three kills with it, and I was not (laughs) going to come back from that. Um, So he definitely capitalized on it, and it was definitely the situation where once I threw a Warrior out of model and killed it, his sergeant just popped out and killed me in return. So I lost three warriors after their first fights, pretty much. But it was the gene stealers that match that did the real real work for me. Because I think one gene stealer single-handedly killed his leader, and then one gene stealer single-handedly killed an assault intercessor. He just could not roll the dice he needed to live. And I was rolling three crits, two hits, or two crits, three hits. So I had all the hits I needed to wipe them out. And it was just a matter of bodies at the end, because... I think he finished with one model on board that he was backing up and kind of running away from. And the same thing happened with my game against Arturo, where once I killed enough of his model, he just kind of started backing up and getting into a corner, but still trying to score one or two points on primary just to stay in it a little bit. And I was just able to hang back, hold the entire rest of the board, and just maximize primary and say, I'll let you live in that corner, but I'm going to score everything I can on the main, on the mission. So it was a very fun game. It was a lot of fun to bring out the Warriors specifically. They are what I love about the team and that they are just absolute melee powerhouses. And apart from a Gellerpox Hulk or a Custodian Guard, there aren't many things that can go toe-to-toe with them. And it's so fun to just watch them wreak a trail of destruction in the middle of your opponent's board and just have them say, um, how do I deal with that? And then next thing you know, next turn, you've got two more coming out from the sides. And it's just so fun and such a thematic way to play them that I was very happy I finally got to bring them out, games eight and nine. Mm. So <clears throat> something interesting was um, um, Games Workshop led us to believe in uh, Angels of Death, that Space Marines just fuck Tyranids. Um, but uh, apparently not. Sorry, G-Dubs. Apparently not. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe if they're all painted in black and white, maybe if they were the blood angels faction, uh, instead of, uh, you know, ultramarines and, uh, black Templar, maybe they would have done better, but, um, Ooh. that's an amazing feat brother. But also I wanted to highlight something else that's interesting. So a lot of people are placing eph- emphasis on high fleet doing super well at this event. Right. And, what everyone should yeah as everyone should know right um to do well in an event um the reason why i don't think anyone should really think of like coming and just like straight winning an event is because sometimes um i'm not saying this that you did this but like sometimes it takes a, a complication it takes a compilation of luck of your mission and who you're fighting against and the terrain that you're fighting against. Mm -hmm. Sometimes like if you get a a really poor board, you might just lose because of your team, but maybe it's great for other different teams, right? You never know what's going to happen at different events, but also 
Hi, this is the second year in a row that High Fleet have has done relatively well at Las Vegas. So High Fleet last year was piloted by Justin Vigil, and he went, uh, I think, th- uh, four and three. But he would he did something completely different, um, which was interesting to see that um, your what you did was also like. I'm assuming your roster, Jeremy, was seven, um, seven gaunts, or uh, yeah, seven gaunts and yep. hormigons, uh, ten gene stealers, and probably three different um, warriors. Yes, yeah, three, ten, and seven. Yeah. So this person used a warrior in every single game. And they would uh, stock up the board, turn one, and then unleash a really devastating blast, um, usually nuking part of somebody's team. And they they depended on that nuke to to do work so that they could win, right? Um, <clears throat> what what is your aspect on on doing that that turn one alpha strike with high fleet rather than um, you know, playing them more like Tyranids like yourself. Yeah. So I just went full melee and this is the way I've been running them for the past eight months. I tried them at the very beginning of the edition with the gotcha. warriors with the heavy guns. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't a fan of it because they only have dash and you have to use your stalk just to get that heavy gunner in position, mm-hmm. which means you're not necessarily getting a melee kill off turn one and Tyranids by their stats are based on melee I mean, the Gene Stealers, the Gaunts, and the Warriors with Weapon Beast, they're just so oppressive in melee that I said, you know what, I'm going to lean into this hard. I know what my weaknesses are. It is absolutely shooting. And I am just going to say, forget it. I'm not going to shoot you unless I have those equipment points for Acid Maws. I leaned super hard into the melee, and I said, I'm going to fight you better than you can fight me. And pretty much every game, I made my opponents play that game. The only exception really was John... Can you, can you roll a crit? Because he was able to either just stay alive or force me to charge in the open where I was then able to get shot and died on the return. But every other game, I made my opponents fight me in melee, and I think that's how I won. Because when you can stalk either the, heavy, the weapon beast warrior and know that you're going to kill an intercessor, or you can stalk a gene stealer and know that you're going to kill their superior for the novitiates where you're going to kill a harlequin player as long as you roll a crit um it's such a more versatile move and even if they stay out of your charge range and say you know what i know what you're going to do with that warrior i'm not going to give you that first turn kill into my intercessors then you say sure i'm just going to run up behind this wall i'm going to pop the point and i'm going to score a point on primary and steal yours from you whereas i think if you go with the heavy gunner warrior it's very easy for that to not work out where your opponent just has to space out two inches and you don't get a blast off. Or if you play against intercession, you're just not going to get much damage off in that blast anyway. And you have to take the venom cannon, but for guns that hit on four, it's very swingy. And yes, Tyranids have a way to shoot again if they do no damage, but I found so often I would get one hit through and I'd almost be wishing I had to reroll that hit into a fail because then at that point I cannot shoot again And it's so disheartening to get a heavy Venom Cannon that gets one hit through for five damage. And yep, that's all you're going to do. 
That intercessor yeah. takes five, where that legionary takes four and walks away and says, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. So I think because it's so much harder for people to deal with the melee attacks that Tyranids have, especially with how I kitted out the warriors, because when you have a warrior that can now charge for nine inches instead of eight and has toxin sacks, where if you roll a crit with a lethal five bone sword, you can retain a failed hit as a hit, you're pretty much guaranteed to get almost two crits, two hits. And that alone is enough to kill most things in the game apart from your elites. So with just a little bit of a reroll or a little bit of luck, you can eke it out. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, so I don't think the shooting Tyranids are necessarily a bad way of doing it. For me personally, I just said, you know what? This meta is full of teams that have eight wounds or less that I know I can kill in two hits. I am just going to lean hard into that and forget about everything else. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that the shooting Tyranids are, I think that's the reason why we saw saw um, that player lose so many games is because um, if it works out, it's similar similar to the um, alpha striking commandos. You put your your dynamite on the the knob, give him plus one APL. He flips from conceal to engage and throws the dynamite. I know you can't do that anymore, um, but like uh, when players would do that, you would typically see them either win the game because they got such a good dynamite off, or you would see them lose the game because they just threw away the knob, right? So right. <clears throat> I think that it has definitely some kind of, uh, some, some definite, uh, it has play, but it's really unreliable compared to your obvious results of running, um, a much more, uh, conservative list, but that, uh, performs a lot better. So you ran, you only faced elites twice. So you ran your, your warriors twice, and then you, ran you said your gaunts once and then you ran everything else with gene stealers um and then eric uh what was your overall roster since you can take so many guys is there like a specific roster that's really really good or did you have flex in your roster so there's there's a the again the reason why i think green skins have a a little bit of a leg up in kill teams at the moment is because it is one of very few where you can actually build a roster for majority any list that you come up against uh you can take a regular boy team which is five boys you can replace one of those boys with a gunner boy he can either have a uh a def gun or a rocket so you're going to give him the rocket which is five attacks if you give him equipment with a targeting thing, that means he's hitting on fours. It's AP one, four, five damage and crits or splash. So right there, you have one good shooter. You have uh, three to four boys. If you want for melee that have four attacks hitting on threes, four, five damage, you can replace one of those boys with two Gretchen. I, and almost Every person throughout the event is like, oh, did you bring the 20 Gretchen? No, it's illegal. If you just read the roster build, it says you can replace one boy from each fire team with two Gretchen. So that way you can get up to six models for a fire team. And then if you don't have a leader, you can put 
the boss knob in that boy fire team. So you can have up to uh, seven or no six for, for the first team. And then you can do the same thing with the next team. If you take a boy team again, um, if you go on into the dark and want to get really fancy, you can take a fire team of four specialist gunners, which you can take four flamers. So they they have five attacks hitting on twos, two, two damage, but because it's torrent on into the dark, it's lethal five plus, And you can give them equipment to put onto their flamer, a cutting nozzle, which is uh, a melee weapon, which is four attacks hitting on threes, three, five damage. So if you want to have a lot of crowd control and then go in and be melee afterwards, you can. Uh, also, if you decide to take the specialist team, this is something I didn't take, but there are def guns that you can also use. Those are five attacks hitting on fives, four, six damage. The, in playtest, it looks great, but it's really not that great. So... Um, <laughs> You can also take commandos as well in the roster if you want, but the difference is they don't get to charge from conceal like how they can in uh, their bespoke team, but they still get skulk about. That was something I was thinking about when building the roster for the event, but because of how much uh, how much terrain and how dense the board was, which is good, I think, for both why Jeremy and I did so well, especially against certain teams on open board. Um, I felt like I didn't need the commandos. And honestly, if you're going to play regular orcs, why bring commandos? You want to bring the regular flavor orcs. So uh, usually what I do is I take two boy teams. So I'd have four Gretchen. I'd have between seven to eight boys, depending on the matchup, I'd take the two rockets and then I'd take the boss who could either have a big choppa, which is four attacks, uh, hitting on twos, five, six damage, which is pretty good. And then depending if I was fighting any models with seven wounds or less, I would take another boss knob, but with a kill saw, which was, four attacks hitting on threes, five, seven rending. And the, the real unique thing about the boys is that if you give them a third APL with the boss pull, you can also give them a custom gun and the custom gun can either be a flamer, which is a limited use six attacks hitting on twos, two, two damage, one time use, or you could attach a custom rocket onto the shooter so you can also have technically three rockets being present throughout the game too. So on Into the Dark, you could have up to five flamers on the board, which is unheard of, or you could have up to three rockets. So um, a very unique play style. You can really swarm the board really quickly, just like the, the Hormigants, and you can take control with the with the Gretchen moving up first, delaying the shooters, then bringing up the boys. And something I think a lot of people don't understand or they just want to take the most elite teams. With Jeremy and me, we both, I can uh, confidently say, we caught a lot of people off guard with our play style and how experienced players, how we use the compendium to our advantage and using high wound models and 
taking advantage when it was in our opportunity by using combat support at the end of the round or delaying the the match and them scoring points. I think that was something that was really rewarding and something that uh, I told Jeremy and other players. I think I told you this too, Dakota. There is no bigger high in kill team than winning with compendium and your opponent playing a bespoke team and just looking at you and going, what did, what just happened? Like Mm -hmm. it, it is one of the best feelings because then they're going to come back and keep checking on you throughout the rest of the event. And they're going to be like, how are you doing? How do you keep winning? Like, um, for example, Nova this year, Jeremy took Tyranids and there were so many people checking on him after day one and day two, just because of how well he was doing. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> definitely, definitely a fun uh, experience for sure. Yeah. The, I think that's something that people forget as well is that kill team also comes down to pilot skill, right? So mm-hmm. if you have a really good pilot piloting a team, no matter what you bring, right? Um, you can level the playing field if your team is really bad compared to somebody who's bringing like the most hottest stuff possible, except for maybe like, you know, uh, pre pre nerfed Colts. <clears throat> yeah. Think, I think that was the most smooth brain team ever made. Um, but, um, yeah, so it sounds like both of these teams are super good. Uh, I want to ask what the, what both teams, um, kind of like struggle into, right? Like the, the, the their biggest struggles. And then we'll kind of move on to a couple other, um, you know, compendium teams that are also, that we can talk about and see if we think that they have any play. So okay. um, let's start with Eric. Eric, what teams do you think uh, Greenskins, Bespoke Teams or Compendium that they struggle into the most? Oh, they they definitely struggle into commandos because it's it's almost a mirror match. Um, where they struggle the most out of commandos is probably the mission loot because we don't have a free Spider Man that can just fly around the board and completely change the board state. Mm-hmm. Um, and also not being able to charge from conceal. I think commandos being able to charge from conceal. I know there are some other models that can do it throughout different teams, but I do think them being able to charge from conceal is probably one of the biggest advantages that I think people don't realize throughout the rest of the game when you have to change a token. And then if they're behind a light piece of terrain, they can just still not be shot at unless if you're at a vantage point. Um, I think another really hard counter to greenskins are also the intercession because of the wound count and them taking the typical two chapter tactics for them to minus uh, one damage from a crit damage through for the first time. And also them moving one more inch. I have to be a little bit more cagey and I can't sacrifice my Gretchen as quickly or help to control the board state as well because of their three APL uh, in melee where the team is really good at for green skins. That's where the space Marines, they have the same weapon profile, but just one more attack. And if they change to dueler, they can parry out one of my attacks. So it's just, it's just an extra attack gone. So I'd be hitting with one attack and then be taking between 
15 damage or around 13 damage before I even get to swing. So that's a hard matchup. Uh, Legionary overall, I think I've done really well. The only Legionary player where I've struggled against with Greenskins was Remy, which was an amazing game. He just played them completely different than any other Legionary player I've ever played against. Uh, I think Pathfinders is probably another tough one, even though I haven't played against them much. I just think because of their positioning and how they can steal the initiative and just keep moving up the board and marker lighting me and then just not being able to be obscured can definitely hurt. Um, those are pro- and Felgor. Felgor, I'd say it's really hard because I can just a scratch one time, but then once I kill them, they can just kill me activating right back if they haven't already activated. So I th- I'd say those teams are probably the hardest out of bespoke teams. Uh, the elf teams I'm really good into most of the time, but for compendium, I would say uh, a matchup that'd be actually pretty bad as I think probably Tyranids, even though that I could kill them with a crit and a hit and I have just a scratch they're always super concealed, so I have to play into their game of just going melee majority of the time, and that's something that they want to do. Mm-hmm. So, and them being able to give out, like Jeremy said, plus one more damage mm-hmm. on the first hit, that can definitely be a problem. And I believe all of their melee options have five attacks, while I only have four, even on my leader. So, right. outpacing me is a problem there too. And plus they get an invuln save. I don't get an invuln save unless if I take a very specific leader and equipment choice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that, that, that hurts. Um, I, I don't know if any other compendium really since, cause I, we haven't played much too much, but maybe gray knights could have been a problem too, because of their storm bolters and all of them can have power weapons. That, I would that also be- imagine custodes. Oh, well, I mean, rough. I mean, I'm hot topic right here. Uh-huh. Custodies are not compendium, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jeremy, what are the teams that give High Fleet the biggest trouble? So, it's a little different from the teams Eric mentioned, just because if we. So, I believe the, the core of the High Fleet team is 10 Gene Stealers, and you only tech out of them into certain matchups. And because of the Gene Stealers having that five up involved, they have Super Conceal, it definitely hurts any team that wants to go full shooty into them because nine times out of 10, I'm just not going to give you any shots as long as I can help it. And our biggest threats really are the other bespoke melee teams because while we are better at staying hidden and we are dangerous in melee, our damage profile and our shticks just aren't as good as the other bespoke melee teams. Um, Felgor, like Eric mentioned, I can try to kill them in shooting with some acid mall equipment, but likely I'm just doing a couple of points of chip damage to them, maybe getting them down to two or three wounds. I pretty much only kill Felgor in melee, and at that point, if it's their turn, then something has gone terribly wrong and their dice haven't shown up. But usually it's my turn when I charge them and kill them, at which point they're still alive and they just kill me back on the tail end. So Felgor are very hard for me to deal with simply because I cannot kill them before I get to them in melee. 
Um, Geller pocks also very hard simply because they have so many bodies to tie you up and all of their, the eye stinger swarms, I think it is that has stun on their guns. The entire tyranny roster is just two APL across the board. We do have a tactical ploy with a warrior to give someone an extra APL. But apart from that, we're all just straight to APL and stun is killer because if you charge, you can't fight. If you do a free dash with the gene sealer, you can still loot a point or close a door, but you really get your melee potential neutered with only one APL. Um, commandos are rough just because of the justice scratch and how many wounds they have. Vet guard are very hard just because they have so many activations that even though they are a shooting team and I can deny them shots, once I'm in the open, usually from killing a regular dude or a medic or something that doesn't really matter to them, their demo guy, their plasma gunner, their grenade launcher, their barrage spotter can just wipe me off the board. So they have so many tools specifically that can out-activate me where it doesn't matter who I kill, unless I'm killing all of their specialist shooters turning 1.1 and 2, I've pretty much already lost that game. Um, and then, like you said, custodes, talons are very hard simply because when they take the sisters with the faceplates and they have 11 wounds now, and then they shut off all your crit damage, I'm only doing four damage with normal hits across the board. So four damage into 12 or into 11 wounds means I need three hits to kill them, and they only need a hit and a crit with a power sword to kill me. So usually they can kill me before I kill them, and it's just very hard to deal with. Um, what I would love to see, and this is maybe a little divergent, but a team like Gellerpox, where you have the four Hawks, a couple of smaller mutants, a lot of little glitchlings, I would love for that to be what the Tyranids have, where you get two or three big warriors that are just melee nightmares, you get four or five gene stealers that can run around, do your actions, and then you get a bunch of Hormagaunts that can just swarm the bodies, tie people up in melee, send out for maybe a side scouting, recover item or something like that. Um, but yeah, the bespoke melee teams, talons, and then anything that out-activates you that can still kill you with easy shooting. I haven't actually played into Pathfinders much with these guys, but a Pathfinder towel that has a crit and a hit will kill me in shooting as long as i don't make my involunt saves mm -hmm. and they're only five ups so they're not great but they're something so your vet guard your pathfinders your bespoke melee and then yeah anything that has just more bodies that can hit me harder or kill me before i can get to them it's rough that's fair um i actually have uh two wish lists for tyranid kill teams um, I like your, your, I think yours is very standard tiered. Um, I think that all three of these could be viable. I'd love to see what you guys think as well. Eric and G, I would love to see like a big lictor, like an actual lictor. And then yes. like five Von Stroysen dudes, the Von Ryan's yeah. Von Ryan's or whatever, just as a, like a forward deploying. Cause like when we think of, when we think of kill team and we think of Tyranids, Tyranids, just like custodes don't really belong in kill team. In my opinion, I'm sorry, Jeremy, I'm sorry. No, uh, I'm agree with you. They're not necessarily the right stick for it. Yeah. So like the teams that would be a, a, like be around, I think are like gene stealers, like mm -hmm. lictors. We have gene stealer cult already, but if we were going to go full ham into them, I would actually love to see uh, a couple, a couple like two warriors, 
bunch of uh, gaunts and like some ripper swarms and actually just make it so they can take like 20 dudes. You know, I think that would be, they'd be like, this is the true horde team. You know, right. everything has GA2 ex- other than the, than the other guys. So they still have like 11 or 12 uh, activations and then just have them be like, hey, we get four ripper swarms. We get uh, six, uh, we get like 14 um, hormigons and we have two, two leaders. <laughs> It'd be sick. It'd be pretty exciting. Do you guys have any wish lists for a Tyranid kill team? Yeah, so that's pretty much what mine was. I love to see that staggered size approach, just like Gellerpox have, or Mm -hmm. your Blooded have, where you have one or two big guys, a bunch of medium guys, one or two little guys, just like Compendium Greenskins have with being able to take the the Gretchen. Um, They're just your action bodies, and they give you so much more versatility to the team, rather than having just straight... Every man's a threat, or every man is a melee guy. Um, it's really cool to have the little ones running around behind the scenes because a plasma gunner is not going to run out of his way to kill a Gretchen, right. or an intercessor isn't going to run around that corner and avoid the point just to try and kill a Gretchen that might steal it back later. So they're very good at being distraction carnifexes. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see that staggered approach. Um, a couple little things that I just need think need to be changed for quality of life for Tyranids, really, because I love the team as it is, and I don't necessarily think that it's wrong in what it is, as opposed to being companion versus bespoke. So I think it's not far from being bespoke. Um, but little things would be Gaunts need a 5-up save instead of a 6-up, because currently they only have a 6-up save, and they die to anything that looks at them. Um, the Lash Whips on the Tyranid Warriors, they subtract one attack dice from your opponent's melee, but that's it. I would love to see a subtract an attack dice from a three-inch range, just like the Grizzly Trophy has, just like your other whip characters do in other teams. Um, I'd love to see them be able to shut down a little bit of shooting with minus one dice if you're within three inches of them. Um, and then otherwise, I would love to see, and this is my own personal thing, but I'd love to see some sort of way to manipulate the GA2 and GA1 of the team where maybe you can take some equipment to cause two gene stealers to always GA2 together, specifically those two, or be able to maybe upgrade a gaunt to say, hey, these two gaunts are now no longer GA2. They're both GA1. Synaptic and maybe- linked together. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like yeah, give me that synapse ability where, because currently synapse is a thing, and it just says we don't really care about being injured, which is good. It does help. Um, the warriors never taking movement penalties is always great. But to be able to take that GA2 gaunt pair and split them up and say, now, you know what? I have 11 activations or I have 10 activations now instead of nine. Uh, It allows you to play that activation meta a lot better, or you just take two gene stealers, GA2 them. And next thing you know, they can take out pretty much anything in the game, even if a warrior couldn't. So I think that would be a very neat way to tech into things without truly messing with the whole team comp. Right. Here's Here's a question. Here's a question. What are the chances or the likelihood that you, my friend, are going to turn into a Gellerpox player and just turn all of your Tyranids into different Gellerpox units? Um, or, you know, and then have your like little, little uh, bugs, the equipment become like little Tyranid things. Like, what is your minds? Yeah, yeah, sport or something like that. Like, what is your, what what are the chances? So I love that idea and I have thought about it before and you can definitely kit bash and make some really cool Gellerpox Tyranid team composition. Um, 
Unfortunately, I think the chances are pretty low, namely because I am not that skilled with kit bashing. And I've got a couple other things that I've been brewing up on the side end because I'm officially now done with Tyranids. I'm putting them on the back burner. So got a couple things I got to work on first. But also in our local meta, Ryan Wilfong has just scarred everybody with his gutter pox. So (laughs) I cannot be the new guy that comes in and just jumps on that bandwagon. I mean, you can. I can. <laughs> yeah, you definitely can. No one's going to stop you other than yourself and maybe your conscience. Um, so um, let's move on to some other really interesting um, teams. Now, can we all say that the best Space Marine... There's two. There's only two viable Space Marine Compendium teams, one of which is the, the, the Death Watch which are only good into other space Marines because you can take like three plasmas and a bunch of power swords right. and then scouts. But the yeah. new scouts are just way better. So <laughs> yeah. can games workshop just, just actually nicks the team off. I mean, I'm sure that they're like, Hey, we want like, we want, you know, firstborns to be able to be played too. And it's like, well, you had your chance with, with uh, the other space Marine heroes and you guys didn't do it. So, um, mm. Yeah. Uh, can we just like nix them off because they're, they're really bad. I don't know if I would, I think maybe death watch for now, but I would love to see them get their own team. But I do think the scouts, at least in the narrative games are really cool because you can take so many snipers or so much more sneakiness to them. Whereas current scouts feel more like just a hammer that wants to come hit you from the (laughs) sidelines. But I feel like the Compendium Scouts... They want to scout. So. They want to scout hard with him. Right. I get it. I like it. Right. Compendium Scouts with all snipers or with a lot of snipers. Um, I think it's a really cool team, and I'd love to see them do well. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they have the legs to do more than maybe you know, do a positive. Definitely not. Those if, old models are short. Well, also, the, <laughs> the, uh, the old... Uh, the compendium sniper rifle is ass. So maybe, maybe if it was three, three mortal three, but three, three mortal one heavy is just garbage ass. (laughs) (laughs) So we move on to Imperium, the Imperium, which I think has some legs. Uh, I think they, they play much better on paper than they do in actuality. So we have scions, we have Imperial guard, and then you can mix the two. Right. Um, I think Jay Faye brought him last year. He thought they'd do really good. And he did, he did, he did well, but he didn't do like really good. Um, we see the only other, there's, there's only like one person in the U S that's playing them regularly at a, at a, at a decent level. But outside of that, I've seen them played. I've seen them talked about a lot, but ultimately still, in my opinion, if you're going to want to play them, just play vet guard, you know, or Kasserkin. So, yeah, I go back and forth between them. Just thinking about like scions naturally hit on threes, but Casterkin can manipulate their roles anyways. Mm-hmm. There's there's pros and cons for both, but I think in certain situations, Casterkins just do a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Wait, just, are you still a Caster King or a Caster not? Uh, I mean, I play the team. I love the team. I think they're cool models. Uh-huh, but- uh huh. I am still saying they're good, but they're not great. You know, they're Cass not at not. like, they're are not guys, at the best. Are you guys Caster Kings or Caster Knots? Caster Knots. Okay. I mean, I'm building the team currently, but I'm oh. I'm not on that hype train. Oh my God. Three Caster Knots to one Caster King. My like, goodness. Like the math in combat is where they die. 
Because, yep. you know, in shooting, absolutely. But they only get three attacks in combat, except for the sergeant. For Kadia, but Kadia fell, so... Yeah, and for Katie, it just gives you more damage, which is, that's cool. But <laughs> if you're only hitting like one time and then you get blocked, like, then you don't do anything and you die. Right. A gene sealer does not care about four damage on a hit if yep. I still kill you in two. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so, so question, what if, what if for Katie, it changes, doesn't give you plus two, plus one to damage. What if it just gives you plus one attack? That's what does, I wanted it to does be. That, does, that make it, does that make them better? For our two teams, no. We oh, still yeah. killed him in two hits. Yeah, well, fuck Compendium, like, okay? Like I'm talking was, about Castle Kings like right if now. It was, okay? If it was a, a strategic ploy for Kadia, for everybody, and then they kind of maybe just nerf the feel no pain thing, um, then sure. Otherwise, it's it's just a really nice upgrade. Um, and yeah, maybe I pushes them higher. A strategic ploy and giving it either the plus one attack or maybe making it 3-5 damage or something or 4-4 four, four is a lot more of a just quality of life than a once- per turning point, one guy can hit a little bit harder. Right. True. So, um, going back to compendium, I apologize. I got no distracted. Worries. Well, you you uh, get uh, heated. With the caster kings. <laughs> um, can we all agree that Talons of the Emperor are probably the best compendium team? I'll give it to you. I'm, no. No. I'm going to say no too. <laughs> oh. I mean, you guys did place better. That's uh, true. That's true. Jeshua did do really well with uh, Compendium um, Talons of the Emperor. They, he also, uh, his father, Jimmy Kelly, also a competitive um, Compendium player, uh, won an 87-person tournament called Kill Team Open at the beginning of last year uh, with Talons as well. They were warp uh, oven models, right? They were. Yeah. Yeah, they sure were. So his son was playing with his actual Talons of the Emperor, uh, Malachi. It was his very first tournament. And he used Terminators, and I think they were um, Zangors for the melee one, uh, melee sisters. sisters. Mm -hmm. And then he had actual rubrics for um, the shooty sisters. So... um, what are you, so do you guys think that it's Greenskins and High Fleet is the two best compendium teams, or do you guys have a, a different opinion? <laughs> oh, no, not at all. I use High Fleet and I love them, but I don't think they're the top. I think they're one of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how Eric feels about it, but we've seen demons run rampant in our local scene. And another Orion special, I think <laughs> the, the Orion special, absolutely. Um, demons and I do think talents definitely have that upper hand just because of their damage mitigation and how flexible they can be. I do think that demons and talents might take it over high fleet specifically. So one thing that um, high fleet and and um, uh, demons really, like you said earlier, really struggle into is the amount of stun. So like you know. It, uh, Inquisition can bring six stun grenades, right? So, like, there's like there's a bunch of stun out there that is really powerful against certain teams. Um, and that's the reason why I don't put uh, cults, I mean, uh, demons up there is because of stun exists in so many areas that if people are smart, they can just bring a bunch of stun grenades into certain teams. But talons, it's it's a little little bit more difficult. But it, I think talons still struggle into to stun as well. So. 
<clears throat> and most teams will. I mean, apart from the Fel Wars with Warpaint and other teams that specifically just don't care about it, your Nurgle Plague Marines or your Nurgle Legionnaires, mm-hmm. stun is going to be great into everything. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, the very first person that won a Squad Games event was James Robinson, and he brought at our very first event, and he played Death Guard when Death Guard were like, "Oh my gosh, this team is so good!" And then like a bunch of other teams came out and they've fallen off the bus pretty hard. Mm, unfortunately. Also a very good compendium team. They're just they they suffer from the same problem, but probably worse than um the Hearthkin, which is how slow they are. Um, right. yeah, especially if you play into like a warp coven player, you know, if they actually existed, because according to LVO's data, <laughs> they don't. Uh, <laughs> no. Where they that's <laughs> <Not> fired. <laughs> I'm sure there was one person that wanted to take them, but uh, either yeah. someone talked it out of it or they just maybe got sick. I'm sure there was one person. I'm gonna give them credit. I'm gonna say there's one. There's yeah, one, one of the no shows. Oh, uh, I can tell you that there definitely wasn't. Um, <laughs> I think I think to make Warp Coven great again, uh, we got to do we we, we got to increase the wound characteristics of the Zangors. It doesn't make sense why some some little beastly boys get ten wounds and our poor little birds don't. Other than maybe they have hollow bones, but besides yeah, hollow that, bones, you can't be too great with them. Yeah. Cool. So so. Um, Kellen Foster very famously on, uh, on our hotline episode or hot takes episode came on and said that, um, exaction squad was S tier. I think definitively they are still not S tier, no. but something else he's saying is that he thinks ecclesiarchy has some legs. They have some very interesting abilities. Do you guys, are you guys familiar with the ecclesiarchy team? And do you think that they are, they are any good? Go ahead, Jeremy. So I haven't seen Ecclesiarchy once, and oh. I've only seen Novitiates a couple times. Um, I can pull up their stuff and their stats right now. So but... you can take three Meltagunners. Okay. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty, pretty good against... Um, I mean, Elites. It doesn't matter if you have Super Conceal. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, all right, cool. You can blow up a Guardsman really well. <laughs> yeah. In the, current, mean, in the current meta, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that they have a couple interesting abilities. I think they're, uh, the way he explains some of the, the tactics about the Ecclesiarchy, it seems as if they definitely have some legs, but I definitely, I'd probably put them in A tier if we were going to, if we were going to give them a grade, um, for compendium, maybe, maybe high B. But uh, I think they definitely have some play. I think that they're overlooked a lot because of novitiates. But they have a couple little interesting, interesting plays. You know, you could bring a bunch of little battle sisters with storm bolters if you're going to go into something with like a lot of wounds and stuff. Pretty interesting team. Yeah. So having not played the team or having seen them, I don't know how well. And it's it's a different tier list between when you look at compendium versus the bespokes. Yeah. But I think the difference between S tier and A tier in compendium is smaller than the difference between S tier and A tier in bespoke teams. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a so lot of teams in compendium. Them, when you combine them, when you combine them, I think I don't know if there are any compendium S tier teams. Um, I think that I think makes, there's an A or B here and there. I sure, th- sure. definitely think. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. There are definitely some A's, A's and some B's scattered around. But mm-hmm. as far as S tier. I don't know if Compendium makes it there, but amongst themselves in Compendium, I think 
there's definitely a lot that are just kind of all riding out of the top vying for that top spot. So I actually have two teams that I've been dancing around this whole time. And I'm finally going to talk about them about, um, the compendium teams. Uh, and that is brood coven and the trader space Marine teams. Um, and they have something now wasn't brood coven completely removed though. No, no, it's still not interesting. Mm -hmm. So they both have something that was so powerful before with uh, with commandos that they were removed that that was removed completely from the game but only for commandos so I wanted to highlight those here in case if somebody wants to try and cheese their local meta and figure out how to run these teams come to next LVO and get top 8 with them um, that would be uh, traitors space marines and the brood coven so the thing that these teams have in common is that they can forward deploy three models just like um, just like commandos could. And you could take points early. You could do all sorts of shenanigans uh, with these teams, possibly put grenades on them. Um, what do you guys think about these two teams? Are you familiar with them? Uh, I am. Actually, Shane and I talked about Brood Coven the weekend before LVO. Mm. And... He was saying that I should try and take them, and I looked into them. They they got some flavor, man. They 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 also actually have a unique roster build, which is something a lot of teams don't get. So I see you there. The problem with a lot of them is that they only have seven or eight wounds mm -hmm. for like their gunners and even their heavy hitters. Majority of their their melees are four. To th uh, or threes and the damage spread is really wild like one of them's four seven one of them's five seven that's that's a pretty big spread so you're really kind of asking yourself to really get a crit sometimes on some yeah, of the crit some people might say yeah exactly <laughs> so um but it is a very flavorful team i would i i do agree with you there that um if you take Brood Coven, you're definitely going to shock people probably more than High Fleet or Greenskins because I don't think anybody besides Shane or one other person has really been playing this team. So nobody knows really what they do. That is fair. I think That's that, I think like, so the, the one that we're specifically talking about is Into the Shadows. So use this tactical ploy at the beginning of a Brood Coven activation. If that opera has... The, no, that's the wrong one. Using an underground. Yeah, that's the one. Thank you. So use this tactical ploy in the setup operative step of that mission sequence. Select an, uh, a friendly Brood Coven operative that is that can be set up um, with a conceal order anywhere on the kill zone that's within one inch of heavy terrain and more than six inches from enemy operative's drop zone. Exact same as uh commandos um so it's one cp you can put three cp forward and then um you can yeah there's there, there, there's some there's some good stuff mm -hmm. um and it's you can really take a really nice early lead on loot specifically yeah, that's right? a big one possibly also control if you can end up holding the control. I think they definitely fall off a little later just because they do have seven moons and that's, you know, typical of seven moon teams. You have to play them like a horde. 
right? You get yeah. a lot of points early or you hold off and you try to, you try to counterattack. Um, yeah, they're, they're, it's a very interesting team. Um, pretty, pretty cool. Does, uh, do you guys have any other, other thoughts on this team before we move to, to, to the chaos? Chaos, um, what are they called? Traders. Traders, Traders Space, Space Marines. Marines. Yeah. Underground seems really good too. Their tactical ploy where they can basically select another friendly operative and just, if they have a conceal order, they can be anywhere within the kill zone within one inch of heavy terrain and more than six inches away from an enemy drop zone. Mm-hmm. So like between lurk and shadows underground and then into the shadows where you change, you can literally change all your models tokens if you want. Mm-hmm. That's like, it's, it's, most of your CP is going to be gone, but it's one of those things where in a match on loot or capture where you can take the board presence easily and then just move forward into a shooting team where you're able to charge and get a lot of your good models into combat and then just pass. And then they just have to fall back and you put them on the back burner quickly. That, that is something to be said, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think the team definitely has some kind of play where they are in the meta. I I'm not really sure. Um, Jeremy, what do you think? Do you think that this team has any kind of a any kind of play, or would you want to look into them more before uh, before uh, throwing your weight behind it? So I definitely need to look into them more, just because I'm not familiar with too much of the other compendium teams that no one really thinks about. Um, but I think, and I'm going to say this for the same thing for the Trader Space Marines. You can get those neat alpha strike plays off when you're playing loot or maybe for capture or just trying to take advantage of them setting up for an easy blast with a frag grenade or something. But I think what separates the viability of the Brood Coven and the Traitor Space Marines from maybe the Commandos forward deploy is that the Commandos have the durability on the back end to then control that lead and to keep it going. Whereas for the Trader Space Marine, because I did take these guys to Kill Team Open 2022, and I did try this a couple times, and it worked like once or twice. But once you use that play, and once you use your grenade or you use your flamer for the Trader Space Marines, um, they have a very hard time just staying alive to maintain that lead. And you're usually just feeding your opponent easy kills that they can then capitalize with Robin Ransack or Eliminate Guard or some of their security tack ops. So while it is a nice alpha strike play and it will catch people off guard, like absolutely, I think trying to survive on the tail end is where if a good player can do that, they can do well. But I think it will take a very good player who knows how to maximize on just getting enough out there to make that alpha strike, but holding the rest in reserve to just maintain that lead for the rest of the game. Fair. Hmm. I think it's very fair. Um, so the interesting one about Trader Space Marines is um, you, you have to take a Chaos Cultist uh, fire fire team and then you would obviously take a chaos space marine because naturally why wouldn't you (laughs) um so it'd be three chaos space marines and then uh eight chaos cultists and then you would be able to forward deploy three of the cultists because you can't do it to the the chaos space marines um 
Yeah, I mean, it's super cheese. It's a super cheese strategy, right? So right. I feel like to have any kind of success with any of the compendium, you kind of have to focus a little bit on the cheese, um, at least competitively these days. But I mean, when Felgor exists and you can't kill them, uh, I mean, you might as well cheese it up just as much as they do, right? Yeah, if a cheese works, man, lean into the cheese. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. I'll definitely throw throw a little fire, a little shade every now and then, you know? <laughs> no, I'm here for it. I mean, I would love to see some of these compendium teams come back and just catch people off guard and show them that, hey, you've got a plan for things that you didn't think would happen. I mean, Commander's got their sneaky get nerfed, but if you want to throw your Brood Coven out there or your Trader Space Marine and hit them with two Flamers on the sides and just roast some Vet Guard, I'm all for it. But will it be enough to maintain the lead when that guard then comes back and throws a demo mine and plasma guns, anybody that was out there, we'll have to see. Mm -hmm. Someone out there is going to do this and someone out there is going to prove us wrong and is going to take these guys to the top. So Absolutely. for those listening, someone has to. So uh, Grey Knights are also okay. I, re I, I, I did an intro game where I took, um, I think I took uh, just a bunch of Hormigants into a Grey Knights team and just got fucking slaughtered. You're going to have some not, cool stuff. a great game, though. Huh? Sounds like a great game. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a, a shooting range. Play, I was a tiered <laughs> player, and I just got fucking annihilated. It was great. They're um, better than what you think. That Like, they have some... They have some uh, melee power to them. Oh, for yeah. Sure. Dude, I didn't even get a chance, bro. Like, they were just like, you don't get conceal anymore with my psychic power. Now I'm going to shoot oh, this shit out of you. right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, I was, and, and I was like, I was like, okay, that's one dead. Okay, that's two dead. Oh, that's five dead. Okay. <laughs> it that's was great. Right. That's it was right. A, it was a teaching game. When I play teaching games, I, I like to, to fo make them focus on as little as possible. Um especially very first game. But I mean, I got fucking slapped. It wasn't even, it was like, God damn, this was probably the worst beating I've ever received of my life. Um, yeah. So gray Knights are pretty good, but you don't see them typically at top tables because they suffer from the exact same um, negative effects as a space Marine team. So maybe if we bumped them up to 14 wounds, maybe they'd be a little better. Oh, um, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, Let's see here. Who else was there? I am probably the most familiar with uh, the cadre mercenary, um, the crew team from. Um, I think I've, I played them once on stream against Giacomo, and it was quite funny. I was playing against Phobos, and um, the crew talks. Yeah, the the crew <laughs> riders. The Such crew, a cool model to use. Yeah. The, <laughs> The crew literally did nothing. They didn't do a single wound. They were just there and they died. <laughs> the crew hounds, they did a lot of damage, but they also just died and didn't kill anything. The crew tox, on the other hand, killed like three or four space marines yeah, they were by himself. Me up just alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, like he was like, I'm going to kill the rest of your team. And the crew tox was like, Oh, I'm a crew tox. Raw Hulk smash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's exactly, exactly what happened in that game. Uh, quite a, quite a fun team to play against. They fucking suck. Um, <laughs> they're really, really fucking bad. Um, but they are, they, they are very much fun to play because 
<laughs> that's what happens. Everything dies except the crew talks and the crew talks kills everything else. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. Orion actually did some intro games with them when the new edition started to make, uh, if people didn't have like a good kill team, this was probably within like the first year of kill team being around. And we were trying to get new players at the store and I see him bring in crew and the, the, the crew talks. I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm increasing the kill team players at the store. I was like, well, yeah, if you take that team, you are. And he, he thought there was some hidden spice behind them that he was trying to, to, to figure out. But then after a couple of games, he was like, no, there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. Uh, yeah, there's no they're, spice. they're a great team for teaching somebody how to play. Uh, mm. Like not have them play intercession and then you just play crew and have, have let them have fun. <laughs> murder everything because there's a lot of bodies to kill uh and then you can then you can like play well with your crew talks get a couple kills and then ultimately just lose so it's a great time yeah so so the elven teams are actually pretty okay so we have craft world we saw craft world do really well Robert, uh piloted by robert nichols i also heard layla is an amazing craft world player yeah um they struggled immensely before they got their buff of plus one operative for each yep. fire team they were hot dog shit and then they were they were, they were, I would say that the team would be S tier still to this day if the grenade nerf did not happen because you could take a bunch of uh, plasma grenades on them and just do really well. But unfortunately, that happened. So they dropped again. But that's actually a pretty strong team once you get the fundamentals of the team down pretty good. We have Comorites. Comorites, I think, placed top eight at LVO in 2022. Um, he oh, really? played a lot of, yeah, I think yes. there's a guy, was it blue? Was his name blue on discord? I don't remember his actual name. I could blue. look it up, I guess. Um, but he played really well. He's from, um, in the Bay area and he did really well with Comorites and I think the whites specifically, uh, the, the, uh, shooty guys, the, gosh, I own them. How can I, how can I forget their name? The Cabalites. Yeah. The Cabalites. They do a fuck ton of damage. Like there's one time I played them into they're another fun team just to play. So I think there was I was playing against a legionary team and I did like 20 28 damage with a dark lance into like into a legionary and it was just like wow and I was like yeah that was fun. They um, they do have some I played Comorites for a long time actually and they um if I would have scored two more points on secondaries and kill team open one, I would have went to day two mm. with them. They, they, the, the thing with them is you, you want to take both fire teams of the Cabalites, but you're not going to have any melee presence besides the leader. So you need to take a witch team if you're fighting against a melee type team at all. And, mm. They have a lot of flexibility with agile gladiators and giving yourself a six up feel no pain. Uh, they can also, if I remember correctly, you can like spend a CP and they can't like on a four up the, the person trying to fall back. Can't fall back. They, yeah, it's called no, no escape. escape. No escape. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then, uh, they can't fall back. Uh, the prey on the week is uh, pr- no. Which one is it? 
Fleet is really good. Fleet is an amazing ability. I think both them and Craft World have it. That you- and Power from Pain. That mm-hmm. is like, it's like, it's kind of the same thing as the Custodes one, but the difference is as soon as um, you kill an enemy operative and if one of your operatives within six inches, they can automatically activate, they get plus one to their APL and they can shoot twice or fight twice. Mm-hmm. That with a shredder or a blaster combo oh. is just amazing. Yeah, so, Eric has used this play a couple of times in his in his days. Oh, I bet you! I bet you're very aware of it. <laughs> yeah, the other thing, and we found this out maybe like a month or two ago, but they actually have the equipment to give one of their splinter rifles relentless, and yes. it was something that we all thought was just limited, where you can only take one per team but they can actually take it three times and you can have three splinter rifles with lethal five and relentless. And that will do some damage to some teams. Mm-hmm. So their shooting is nothing to sleep on. They're almost dare We say better than the current dire Avengers. Yeah. I, well, that is spicy because tire Avengers can, uh, they can shoot four times in one round. They can also move 10 inches and then torrent people there. I, I would say that I think dire Avengers while they may be worse statistically in that aspect, they definitely have currently more versatility than. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Than oh yeah. And that's what a lot of the teams are giving you. It's either versatility, the killing power or the survivability. Absolutely. So, um, the last two teams I don't think we've talked about is the Hunter Cadre, the Pathfinder, just worse Pathfinders. Uh, the only reason why you take them is to have fun with, uh, your, your stealth suits? Yeah, we take stealth suits. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what. Yeah. <laughs> Just take yeah, six stealth, stealth suits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, you might. Yeah. If you, you if you like fire warrior, play Pathfinders. Say what? Yeah, not Pathfinder. Sorry, I meant to say fire warriors. If you liked the uh, the game Fire Warrior, can yeah. you live your you live your childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I would. But hey, you can also take <laughs> on Into the Dark. You take all the fire warriors. I think they have AP one. And they're only six inch range, but when you've got twelve guys with AP one, it's not terrible. Four or five damage. I mean, <laughs> that's always been damage, a crazy AP thing, right? One, twelve opter, twelve activations on into the dark. It's it's got some spice. <laughs> but I think it's a very mild amount. See, what should happen is they should change the profile of Pathfinders to this. So long range goes to three, four, and then close range goes to five, uh, four, five. This is my new, instead of minus one operative, this is my new nerf. Wow. A real nerf nerf from Dakota. Yeah, real one. (laughs) Um, They can keep their 45% win rate. Let's just lower it down to 40% win rate. All right, moving on. Uh, Who hurt you? um, Pathfinders, apparently. (laughs) I would say ever since, ever since, uh, Tau have was released in the year 2001. They have been a menace plaguing my nightmares and dreams. The mm-hmm. little blue faces running in and out of there, you know, making me scream and making me cry with all their, 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 their firepower. Um, they touched me in my mind, in my mind. Oh, oh those fishmen, man, they'll do it to you. They, they don't sure even will. have a pulse in, in the psychic world though. In the psychic world. Yeah. They're like how psychic do, blanks. Yeah, Did you know they, that means that they, they have no souls? Yeah, how do they touch your 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 psyche? Uh, they just give me nightmares. <laughs> my the soul can mind. remember them. Yeah, my the soul remembers kind. them. Yeah, the hive mind. Um, moving to Tomb World. Um, interesting thing about Tomb World. Tomb World placed higher 
than uh, all of the higher tech field at LVO on average. Uh, <laughs> so uh, can we get another higher tech buff? I mean, I know that there's some good higher tech players out there, but if you refuse to play them, they were they not con- there. Apparently they will continue to suck. So, or if you decide not to come, they will continue to suck because other teams are still just objectively better. Uh, Tomb World, on the other hand, has you know a lot cooler models, I would say, than uh, high than the uh, higher tech. You you can take flayed ones, which are cooler, and that's about they it. are They're yeah. definitely the cooler models. <laughs> they are. Um, Didn't you watch the Warhammer Plus show, which explains how higher tech circle is a team? Yeah, they're a narrative team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The guy's like, hey, you got to go kill so this many guy buffs. for me. And that's why it's all about the one big leader and then his retinue of who he picks. Um, I like the team, but I don't think I'll play Heretic Circle anytime soon. Yeah. So interesting reanimation tokens on um, it costs zero CP, but it looks like they they get up on compendium on a two plus if it's a Necron warrior, which a warrior specifically. Yeah. yeah. So can we either buff reanimation protocols for Hyrotech again, or can we nerf uh, Frenzy to act like the current <laughs> the current re- reanimation, reanimation protocols for reanimation for, or maybe change or maybe make the reanimation protocols for Hyrotech better, and then make. Um, frenzy work the same way right have to happen on a two plus or something or three plus see the problem is that whenever you have a dice roll right this is the same thing with jump whenever you have a dice roll and you're adding extra rng to a team they get worse objectively they Mm -hmm. just auto auto get worse that's why that's why frenzy is so much better than reanimation is reanimation you have to roll a dice right uh that's why like um caster kings and Novitiates are good is because you can just change your dice and just make things happen, right? Right. The reason why Hyrotech sucks balls is you have to roll a dice. The reason why jumping on Beta Decima sucks is because one out of every six times, you're going to roll a one and that model's going to die. Not competitively viable, right? And I think until we get like some kind of fix in this, because this rolling bullshit goes all the way back to third edition. You know, they're like, oh, we have to roll to see if they come back. Hey, let's find out. You know, next time on Dragon Ball Z, it's just not good. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Two yeah. episodes later, you finally find out that they did not get back up. And they just <laughs> yeah. In, in third edition, they didn't get back up and then the whole team would disappear. <laughs> yeah. Like you just lose <laughs> like the, the whole, whole army. Like, would just leave. <laughs> I remember those rules. It was garbage. <laughs> Shit was crazy. Um, yeah. It feels much like a uh, higher tech. I'm going to get written in the book for this one too. The dwarves are so mad at me for talking so bad about them. And now higher tech I'm in the book. Um, what do you guys think about, um, you know, tomb world just doing strictly better than the, the, the majority of the field for higher tech. Well, it was just one guy that took tomb world, right? Yeah. Or were there two? I think it was just one. Yes, I love the stats you posted, and I love seeing the raw numbers come out. Mm-hmm. But I think when you just get one person that plays it, it really skews it because I mean, you can I mean, take the tier to numbers. I mean, they were technically the most winningest team percentage wise at LVO. My guy, hashtag yeah. needs a nerf minus two yeah. operatives. 
Exactly. Tyranids <laughs> are broken and everyone knows this. But when you get one person that takes them and if it's a good player or they just happen to get lucky with the die rolls, with the matches, with the terrain setup, uh-huh. you can really skew the stats and it's not a great representation. It's fun to look at and it's great to see. I mean, when I saw that stat, I was ecstatic. But <laughs> as far as them doing better than the higher tech, you also got to consider typically who are your higher tech players because when you look at all of your your sharks out there, your sweats, your tryhards, a lot of them are gearing away from teams like higher tech because while it is somewhat viable as a great play Shane's potential, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and I know people like Shane have been looking into them and really want them to do well and really want to see them be used properly. I think it's so much easier to just say, you know what, I'm just going to take commandos, I'm going to take. Legionaries. I'm going to take Pathfinders that are just more. But see, that's that's the innate that's the innate problem of the team. The team is still not good enough for these top players to think they actually have a shot, right? So, like, out of 130 people, like two players went 93rd and 97th, right? So, like, I think that like if somebody if this team was better, we would actually see these players or people who were really good pilots or anything. I'm not saying that the two players who played higher tech were not good pilots. I'm saying that we would see these people who usually place in the top of events, the top 10%, the top 20% of events actually take higher tech, right? But they're still subpar enough that people don't think that they would, right? Um, mm. Well, I also just think it's a team that's so based on their own buffs and their own interactions that you need to have things go off properly for the team to really kick off and just smoke somebody. Mm-hmm. And when you just place somebody just a half inch outside of that siphon power, or you just can't quite get everything to line up properly, it can easily fall apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if you throw the the leader for the higher tech at me and turn one, let's say you smoke two gene stealers, but I come back with one and just melee them in combat. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So he might get back up, but I've got so many more guys that can swarm him. I'm not worried about it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more so just so many layered buffs in order to get things to happen the way you want them to and catching your opponent off guard. I don't know. It's kind of like the same thing we talked about with the compendium Trader Space Marines and Brood Coven being able to throw the guys up for Alpha Strike. Yeah, it works sometimes and it's fun to see it work, but is it something you can rely on all the time? And is it enough to carry your team for the rest of the game? Probably not. Yeah, I, I will say too, Dakota and uh, Giacomo, I was standing next to one of the uh, Hyrotech Circle players day two, game two, mm-hmm. and this is nothing against him because he even said it before the game started. He said he was pretty new to the team and he was new to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, he left all of his guys on engage and they were all within a six inch circle of each other. And his opponent was playing Casterkin. And I saw the Casterkin guy open the door with just a regular dude. And all the gunners were on the other side of the door. And he killed most of them with just the grenade launcher alone. And Jesus. That, that was like, I think it was by the end of Turning Point 2, all of his models were dead. And I remember just looking over and his opponent was very nice to him and was like giving him tips and stuff for the future. But you could kind of tell the guy was uh, defeated, but also he said, you know, I'm really new and I'm trying to learn the team and learn the game. 
So it didn't help himself. So not trying to say he was a bad player, but maybe the reason why Hyrotech Circle's of results were a little lower was because maybe one of them out of the two players were new and didn't know how to put his models on conceal mm-hmm. a little bit or didn't think that the caster can could get to the door as quickly as possible. Absolutely. So, no, I definitely, I definitely agree that, um, the other thing is that one of those players did play all, all the games, which shows a lot of resilience as well. Yes. Right. So in order to come in, be new, play such a high skilled team and then last and play all nine rounds really shows a lot of dedication to the team. Yes. And while a lot of people that we saw did stick around for all nine games, you know, like playing and losing is difficult, but also like playing such a, so to me, higher tech is the same problem as warp coven. They just can do so much and they're so complicated. They're overcomplicated. Like I like to keep things kiss, which is keep it simple, stupid. Right. And higher tech are definitely not one of those teams. So I flame on them a little bit because in order to play perfectly for three days and nine games or two days, Two, two days and eight games if you play four and four like KTO or mm-hmm. two days and six games in order to play perfectly all those games and not drop something I think is 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 a is, is a problem when you come to some teams like novitiates oh I misplaced this model I'm gonna faith point so I get an auto crit save annex save okay cool like I accidentally messed up but they have a make they have a mechanic built in so that it can help me you know and then with with higher tech it's like oh I have a mechanic that can come in and help me oh, I rolled a dice and I failed. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. ultimately, the team, I think, needs a little something. And I think that uh, Tomb World is just a lot easier to pilot. Uh, For sure. Absolutely. Over, over, over higher tech might have, like, a way higher skill cap, like, cap at the end. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, we can still see that in such a big tournament format, the top players or top people were not interested enough and didn't think that higher tech could, t- could take it all the way. So they didn't bring him. Now, yeah. Jimmy Kelly proved everyone wrong by taking, um, you know, talons and then winning KTO with them. Right. So like, obviously there are those outliers and those people are going to come out of nowhere and, and win, mm-hmm. win events, especially when something's like hidden buffed or something like that. Um, or somebody's actually figured out the secret sauce. Maybe higher tech has some secret sauce. Uh, none of us has, has seen just quite yet. Do they also get living metal, uh, Dakota, mm, just like yeah. Tomb World, or no? I think they do. Maybe. So you said Tomb World has living. They have living lightning, living metal. Yeah, it's um on most of the players. Yeah, it's, ba- they're ready. it's baked into the data sheet. Yeah, they, they regain up to two oh, lost rooms. Mm, yeah. That's fucking ridiculous. I love that. And just like regenerate. Let's see here. Hi, uh, here at Tech Circle. What do we got here? This is uh I'm sorry, Sheldon, but I don't I don't pay too much attention to, <laughs> to this team. Um all right. So we got No, not Tumor. I just literally clicked on Tumor again. Shows no. you where my mind's at. <laughs> All right, higher tech circle. We are looking at them. They have undying androids of dimensional concealment, intractable march, relentless onslaught. Uh, I don't see anything that gives them healing, but let me look. It should at, it should be their ability. Living metal is just their ability yeah, built in. They have living metal. Um, yeah. Is that what you're looking for? 
Yeah. 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 Yeah, so they do. They have yeah. it. They uh, they regain two lost wounds every time. Ugh. Which is... It can be frustrating, but if they're not reanimating, then it's not a problem. <laughs> That's <laughs> the thing. Or if they're dead, you know? That too. Yeah, maybe maybe you just like drop the wound count and then they could just never die and they always come back every every round, you know? Make them, turn them into Felgor. If any team or should if they have been come, back, come back with half wounds. This should be the team. You can't die. I'm always coming back to life. Would you prefer that? Like if, if, um, if, if when they're dead, they just come back, but half, so they're already injured and gives them a chance to play again. I think they they come back on the strategic phase. So you can't just shoot them right there. I think that would be, I think that'd be all right. Um, I think that their heroes need a rework as well, but, um, yeah, I think that'd be fine. But, uh, yeah. We're not rule writers, so uh, it'll come in time. We'll see what the changes are. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to with a grain of salt. Exactly. I want to thank you, Eric and Jeremy, for jumping on. Is there guys? Is there anything that you guys would uh, like to shout out at the end of the episode? Go ahead, Jeremy. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess my one or a couple of my main ones. Um, thank you, Dakota, for putting on an awesome LVO experience. It was my first time in Vegas and I had an absolute blast. Um, I will say for the longest time, I treated Octarius as like the gold standard for terrain where you can play on other boards and you can make do with what you got and you can still have good games. But Octarius for a while was what I was looking for as a competitive standpoint. But having now come to Vegas and seeing the boards that you set up, with so much more going on and so much small pieces of heavy, it changes the game dramatically. And I know from a melee team like High Fleet, I loved it. So those boards you had, phenomenal, top notch. Um, I think they definitely add a different element to playing the game than just standard open board Octarius or your Chalnath type terrain. Um, also, it was run very smoothly. All the judges handled everything great. It was a, just overall a great experience. Um, there was only one or two plays where it really got tense as far as which way it was ruled would have made a difference. But all in all, I think it was handled very well. Um, and then also, of course, teammate Eric out there, Plasma Spam. Um, we came in rocking the green skins. We both had a chip on our shoulder. We wanted to prove something. And I think we both did. Absolutely. Um, so for those that say compendium has no legs or all oh, these teams, just they're just for fun. They're not going to win anything. A good player that's been playing a team for six months, eight months, a year or more like Eric with his green skins or me with my Tyranids. I mean, like you said, a lot of times if it's two good teams playing each other, pilot skill can make the difference. So if we know our teams inside and out and we know our matchups and you don't know what we do, you're in for a rough ride. So it's definitely a, a fun thing to do taking compendium and being the underdogs everyone loves to root for you so not a lot of people will root for the guys at the top that are just <laughs> stomping on the little guys but when you get the underdogs that come up and show people up and make a name for themselves they're the ones that get my vote absolutely absolutely um first uh just like jeremy Thank you, Giacomo and Dakota, for having me on again. And this has been a conversation for a while that we wanted to talk about compendiums. So thank you for also allowing my teammate Jeremy to come on too. Uh, I appreciate the support 
and everything that you guys have done for Las Vegas Open. I watched the last two years of the event on your live stream, and it really was a wonderful experience being a first-timer, just like Jeremy, to Las Vegas for the event. Um, You guys ran a wonderful event. All the TOs were great. They were very supportive. You guys were probably the most efficient TOs and group I've ever met for time, which was great. Uh, I, I didn't see any hiccups, and the amount of boards that you guys had with terrain was uh, undeniably shocking with all of your terrain specifically that you have created to help grow this hobby and this game and the community. Thank you so much for all your support. Uh, if anybody can support them, please support them at the squad games.com podcast, everything. Uh, thank you to my teammates, Jeremy for keeping me positive after day two, going into day three and saying, we have a shot. We're both four and two. We can definitely do this. Um, thank you to anybody that made the event possible. Thank you to all of the wonderful opponents that I played. This was the most fun event I've ever been to. And that's really saying something because I've had some fun events out there, but all my opponents cheering me on after playing and just coming up and asking what my philosophy is or Jeremy's really meant the world. And also seeing how emotional Dakota, Giacomo, Sheldon got at the end of the event just showed how much heart and soul you guys put into the event along with your wife and all the other TOs and helpers along the way. So thank you so much. And if you ever have a chance to send us out some terrain or if we need to buy some from you to to help promote your terrain more for the next upcoming, you know, year or for the next edition, whenever that comes out, please let us know. We'll always be able to support you guys and help you guys grow. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you both for such kind words. I want to give a shout out to everyone who attended LVO, anyone who's thinking about coming next year and anyone who watched our live streams. Um, Hopefully we'll have all of the, the video's up for LVO this coming week, uh, this week, I should say, as the time of the airing of this episode. And um, if you guys want to drop a subscription and a like on those videos, uh, that would really help us out as we're trying to grow in more areas rather than just the podcast. Um, thanks to Plasma Spam um, for hosting me at Nova, uh, letting me stay at Orion's house and then... It's funny, we were, we were talking about this exact episode um, from like 10 o'clock till midnight because we were, I was locked outside of Orion's house and they were gracious <laughs> enough to stand with me in the, 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 the fall cold that is... Um, For, yeah, two and a half hours or so. Yeah, and we're just, just sitting out there. out there talking. That's one thing I like to do is talk. Yeah. <laughs> so this pl- this episode's definitely been planned for a very long time, and I'm so happy that uh, both of you uh, could make it on the pod and actually uh, talk about it. So appreciate you both. Yeah. Yeah. Thank Thanks for having us, man. And again, shout out to all the teammates, all the ones that make LVO possible. And for anyone that's thinking about going, absolutely give it a shot. Um, my own experience compared to some of the other events where maybe there's a whole lot more sharks at other events. This event was so much more laid back, friendly, easygoing 
crowd and definitely a great one to go for if it's your first time. Of course. And bring compendium. Bring you compendium. <laughs> yeah, I mean, someone out there, show us that we're not the only ones. Yeah, take you, it all. you know, take them to your next FLG event if you want, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which, of course, if you want to buy tickets there, we have uh, links in the description for the next ones coming up. Um, and as always, you can find me on Instagram. I am at Wargaming underscore studios. You can find us on our discord. You can join us there. That's a squad games discord. Join the conversation right there. We have our Patreon, which again, like we mentioned earlier, you know, the support helps us keep bringing new stuff, not just the podcast, but other videos, other live events, things like that. Uh, And that's about it. And that's pretty much it. Until next time, everyone. See you. All right. Thank you, guys. Great skids. The Squad Games Podcast is a production of Squad Games Entertainment. For more information on Squad Games, please visit our website at lustersworkshop.com slash squad dash games.